We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. Isn't it amazing how the Lord often employs the least likely yet faith-filled believers to accomplish extraordinary things? Are you thankful for those heroes of faith, the everyday people who, despite flaws and failures, pain, weakness, or physical challenges, simply take Jesus at his word and motivate us to do the same? Joining us today to share the testimony of his daughter, Elizabeth's extraordinary faith in Christ, the director of Grace Evangelical Society Missions, Ken Yates, along with his daughter, Catherine. Ken and Catherine, welcome to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you all. Thanks for having us, guys. We're delighted to have you. We've been looking forward to this for quite a while. God has certainly given you a wonderful ministry working with Grace Evangelical Society. GES has been a tremendous blessing to both Tabitha and me over the years. Yes, we not only enjoy following what the Lord is achieving through your missions trips with GES, but also, as Paul just mentioned, we appreciate your contribution to the blog on faithalone.org. Many of the articles you've written have helped us in our spiritual growth, especially in the areas of salvation and eternal security. Well, thank you. Uh, we, uh, Catherine and I both uh, enjoy writing for them. It's interesting. To, we never know where, where they go. You know, you <laughs> write something at home and then it goes out into the, the interwebs and then you never know that they're going to land in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's the neatest thing. <laughs> Ken, you and I have a couple things in common. Aside from our love of God's word and strong conviction on salvation by grace through faith alone. Both of our dads served in the military. My dad was in the Air Force, and I believe yours was a career soldier? Yeah, my dad was in the uh, Army. Uh, I was born at Fort Knox in Kentucky, and uh, growing up, uh, I spent about uh, uh, four and a half, five years in Germany, and then uh, two years in Korea. And then uh, a lot of other schools. Uh, back then, I think uh, military people moved more often. So uh, I, I attended a lot of different schools and a lot of different places. And you as well served in the military for almost 30 years? Yes. I, uh, when I graduated from uh, high school, I went to a military academy. And then I went into the Air Force, uh, but most of my time in the military, I was an Army chaplain. I was an Army chaplain for about uh, uh, 23 years, something like that, um, and I retired in uh, 2008. Wow, that is an interesting background. Thank you, for, thank you so much for your service. Oh, uh, it was, uh, we enjoyed it. I, I, I think the family and I, we, uh, we enjoyed moving around. And uh, I think uh, I got more out of it than it got out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure within that time period, you met a lot of brave men and women. 
And it's interesting that of all the heroic people you've met, you recently chose to write about your dear daughter, Elizabeth. Tell us about her. What was it about Elizabeth that made her your hero? Well, you're right. I, uh, I did meet some awful brave men and women. I, matter of fact, I had the privilege of uh, working with two Medal of Honor winners, wow. and, they're, and they're really rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was still on active duty, and at the time, he was the only Medal of Honor winner on active duty. So out of two million, however many there are on active duty, he was the only one. And um, so, yeah, I, that, that was quite, quite a privilege. But uh, uh, Libby, Elizabeth, was uh, uh, a hero uh, greater than anyone that I had met simply because of her faith and her, um, I, I don't know if it's the right word to say, but her acceptance of the difficulties that she had. And uh, she lived 35 years, and I never once heard her uh, blame God for her difficulties or uh, anything like that. And uh, just her ability to accept. And, and she had such a great attitude. Uh, uh, I mean, all the pictures of her, she's smiling and uh and uh, she just had a faith in, in what God told her in his word. And uh, it was incredible to see. I think maybe explain what some of those difficulties were. I'm oh. not sure people would know. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, Elizabeth was born three months early. And as a result of that, she had uh, cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, uh, her cerebral palsy, cerebral palsy, has different um, grades or levels of severity. Mm -hmm. And hers was such that uh, it affected all four limbs. Uh, She never walked. Mm -hmm. Uh, She didn't have any really trunk control, but she, um, it did not affect her voice. Her voice was, uh, (laughs) uh, a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you meet people with cerebral palsy, they, in fact, I don't know if it's her vocal cords or whatever it is, but uh, Libby's voice was very clear. And mm-hmm. so it, it affects people differently. Uh, but hers was uh, physically. Uh, she did have some learning disabilities as well. But uh, a lot of times when you met her, you didn't realize it, uh, you know, because she could talk about politics or the Bible or what she was going to do that day mm. or uh, whatever it might be. And, but, uh, but she did have some, like, for example, she could not uh, read very well. That's just one example, because uh, well, one thing, she had a weakness in her eyes and it was very difficult for her to focus on the page and stuff. So mm. uh, she could read very, very slowly. There was just a just a number of different uh, disabilities that impacted her because of her disease. Hmm. Uh, well, Catherine, from your observations, aside from the physical challenges of cerebral palsy that your sister had, were there other areas of difficulties she faced? Yeah, you know, we were um, we were t- talking about this a little bit before you know, we got on the call with you that I think probably one of the 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 harder things to explain to to people who didn't know her very well 
in an area that she struggled was with um, social interactions. She she struggled to understand sarcasm um, due to, uh, I mean, just the way that her, she thought about things. She didn't, she struggled to get jokes um, and, and just social cues were really difficult for her. So when it came to interacting with others, she often um, struggled with with what was appropriate and and sometimes being maybe a little sensitive to things. She took things a little more sensitive than maybe how others intended them. But it also meant that she was always very gentle with other people. She would she would stay silent rather than say something and and be misunderstood because she knew that sometimes she misunderstood people and so. Yeah, that was always, I think, a, a struggle for her was to to know how to communicate and how to understand people um, and and what they meant. And like I said, like jokes were really hard for her. Yeah, like she she didn't know sometimes if some if if someone was joking uh, or now, if they were serious. Yeah. Now, yeah. but now if she if she understood it. Oh, she would laugh. She would bust out laughing, but <laughs> she always worked at, uh, she wait was... a second. Is this, is this person talking about something serious or mm -hmm. is this a, uh, is this a nuance of a, of something that she didn't understand? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times she, like Catherine said, she would remain quiet. So as not to, I guess, either appear stupid <laughs> or, or somebody's feelings, right. you know, like, Oh, oh, okay. Uh, that was a joke. I, mm -hmm. I didn't get it, you know. And so, uh, yeah. She took things very literally. I think. Yes. Even when they weren't meant to be, you know, you and I would know that wasn't literal. That was just sarcasm. But she, she would take things literally when they weren't, and that was always kind of hard, you know, because we would try to explain it, but you know, it was that was that was a hard thing for her, I think. And I think in the same way. Um, because she was such a gentle person, mm -hmm. uh, and she really was. I mean, you never, you never heard her ever uh, badmouth somebody mm -hmm. ever. It was, it, it, it was like it was not possible for her to do that. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to explain. But uh, uh, and so, if she was in a circumstance where she was being mistreated, for example. And even though it would have been entirely appropriate to say something, uh, she would not do that. Mm -mm. Uh, uh, and uh, and I don't I don't guess she ever did that. Uh, it was just interesting to 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 see that. And you didn't know that about her. You wouldn't pick it up. No. Because when you talk to her, like I said, you would have no idea. Because mm -hmm. you know you could walk in here and say. Hey, how do you think uh, President Biden is doing? And she would talk to you about it, mm -hmm. you know, and she'd walk, she would be able to have these kind of conversations with you. And you didn't realize that um, she had these areas in her life where she didn't know how to interact, interact socially. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that's why I said earlier that that's probably one of the hardest things to explain to others that didn't know her or live with her because we knew it because you know we we were with her all the time but if you just met her or just knew her casually she she was 
quote unquote normal from from the outside looking in when it came to those social cues, I think. But well, it was an area that really was hard for her. I'll give you I'll give you an, an example of uh, something I learned. Uh, Elizabeth and I had a friend named Paul and he died. Uh, he was in his 60s and mm-hmm. he died uh, a year or two before Libby did. And uh, Paul had um, spina bifida and he had a cleft palate and uh, he had some other uh, deformities. Uh, He was blind, almost blind, Uh, but he was very smart. He had a doctor's degree and he worked in the military. He uh, I mean, he had a full time job and uh, he, uh, he he was an accomplished man. But he also had these social uh, things, and it, and for people who aren't around people like that, mm-hmm. and with Paul, uh, I just real quick, I'll give you an example. Uh, he had a car, and uh, I would drive him around in it. Uh, and uh, one day the car didn't start, and I said, uh, he goes, "What happened to my car?" I said, "Well, the battery died." He goes, "Well, how the battery died?" And I said, "Well, I broke into your house and I uh, I ripped up the cables and I uh, t- took your battery out and threw it in the garbage." You know, I- I'm just saying outlandish things. You know, <laughs> just, just joking. Mm-hmm. But he thought I was serious. Mm-hmm. He 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 was like, "Well, how did you get into my house? How did you get into my car? I have the keys." You know, and it's just that that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so Elizabeth had those kind of things as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So often in our places of heartbreak and brokenness, the Lord intervenes in wonderful ways. Did you see blessings within Elizabeth's struggles? Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, Elizabeth was a uh, such a great example of uh, faith and the blessings that come from it. Um, uh, She always had, I know we're gonna talk about this later, she always had what I would call a childlike faith. And it was amazing to see it, um, that she, as I said earlier, when she heard something in the Bible, she just believed it. (laughs) I mean, it was, you know, it was never like you would hear something and it, and it wouldn't like, for example, the scripture says that God uses uh, difficulties uh, for your good. And she just accepted that she had no problem with that uh, whatsoever. I mean, never. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to to watch her uh, simply believe something and. Uh, and uh, it, and just live her life that way. I, I'll just give you one example. Uh, uh, about ten years ago, I got diagnosed with cancer. It's a it, it's a good cancer, a high survivability rate. But uh, the doctor told me I had like a seventy five percent chance of uh, being cured of it. And uh, I remembered how anxious I was because, well, for a number of reasons, I was young and I uh, had to worry about her and and uh, who's going to take care of her if that 25% gets me and stuff like that. And um, and she just told me, she said, Dad, why, why are you anxious about this? 
God, God's in control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and she, uh, it, it was such a rebuke for me. And, and she wasn't doing it to rebuke me. She was just expressing her, the Lord, mm-hmm. the Lord knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it was funny. We had a doctor's appointment <laughs> together and, um, uh, and you know, whatever she was in there for. And then I was there for my, just so happened talking about my next cancer treatment or whatever. And, um, and I told the doctor, I said, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm concerned about Libby and what's going to happen and what are the odds that this has gone to the rest of my body and blah, 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 blah. And we get the car. Libby just goes, dad, I can't believe you said that to you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, and then she said, she goes, Dad, if something happens to you, I'll be okay. Aww. You know, <laughs> Lord's going to take care of me, you know. So it was just that kind of thing. And uh, it was just uh, such a blessing to live in a home with somebody like that. But, well, I was just going to say total kind of different element to this question is I think we mentioned that part of what we do is we do overseas ministry. We we um, speak all over. And, um, we were talking earlier about how in places like India or in, um, Africa, which is a place we've been to quite a bit, there is a really heavy emphasis in these areas to, to seek miracles, to seek healings. And, and, and in fact, it's, it's so heavily pushed that it's, it's very prominent to be told, well, if you don't get this healing there, that means that you don't have enough faith that you you are failing in some way. You're not trusting in God enough. And one of the things that, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about Libby and I've thought, and I've even taught about Libby and just to show that, first of all, the scriptures say suffering is, is a good thing in the life of a believer, that the Lord can use suffering and sickness to, to mature you and to make you more like Christ. And, and Libby was an example of that, that she didn't spend her life looking for a miracle mm-hmm. um, in the sense of wanting to be healed from from cerebral palsy. Um, that wasn't her goal. And I think that that's, that was just a daily example that we saw all the time that she lived by faith and she had such a strong faith in knowing that she was going to live forever with the Lord, that she was going to be rewarded. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a bit, in a bit more, but I think that there there is something about knowing knowing someone like that who who lived by faith in in sound teaching and not just wanting to to just have a quick fix to to the yeah. suffering she was going through mm-hmm. um, and that's un- unfortunately that's not taught I don't think enough in in our world we certainly have this idea with even within our churches that we just need to get past the suffering instead of acknowledging that sometimes the the suffering is a good thing and that we can become more like Christ like that. And Libby was, a, was literally a, an example of that every single minute of her life. And it's, uh, I mean, she would often say my, my cerebral palsy is so temporary in light of, a uh, eternity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, um, Libby, Libby wore a necklace. If you've ever seen a picture of her, she's probably wearing it. And it's from Romans eight. And that's what dad's quoting from that, 
that the sufferings of this present time are not to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And, and that whole passage is talking about suffering and that suffering is, is, uh, is something that the Lord uses to mature us and to make us more like life and we will be rewarded um, for that suffering if we walk by faith in it. That is something that, I mean, we, we're very privileged people and that we got to see that every single day through her. Based on the story God gave Elizabeth and your experience as her family, her caregivers and protectors, what practical advice would you offer to our audience listening today? And how can we best demonstrate the love of Christ to those with disabilities? Yeah, Catherine and I were talking about that um, um, earlier. And uh, and she brought up something that, I mean, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she brought up something that was uh, very appropriate, I think. I think one of the things we can see is that they have, a lot of times we think, well, what can I do for them? But there's so much they can do for us. Right. And, uh, you know, Libby was a uh, an example of faith. We are, every believer has a spiritual gift that, that is for the edification of others. Hers was clearly faith, uh, uh, and uh, for, uh, for example, if 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 you ask Libby to pray for you, um, oh boy, uh, <laughs> oh mean, boy, and it wasn't like I'm going to pray for you for the next week. She would, she would pray for you for years. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Uh, I mean, when we would pray with her at night, um, you better go in with a snack. Yeah. You better go in I, with hydrated. It's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be a prayer. It's going to be a, it's going to be a couple hours. <laughs> pray for pe- you know, we moved around all the time in the military and she would pray for people that we were assigned with 15 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and she was still praying for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and she, I think that the to point, the, going back to your question, we so often look at people with dis- disabilities and we do kind of have this, I, I almost hate to say it this way, but like a savior complex. Like I need to help them. I need to serve them. And yes, people with disabilities do need help, right? Like we had, Libby couldn't walk. We had to help her. But there's, there is also um, a part of the conversation that part of helping people with disabilities in the church is to also honor that they are equal members of the body of Christ and they have something to offer you. And she loved to serve others just as, just as much as we wanted to serve her, right. That she loved to pray for people because that was something she could do for them. You know, she, she couldn't cook a meal for somebody if there was a death, she couldn't, um, go to church and, you know, help with lawn care or something like that. You know, these things that we think of as like serving others, she couldn't do that, but she could pray for you. And boy, did she, (laughs) did she pray for you? Took it seriously. And I think uh, seeing that part of serving other people in the body of Christ is acknowledging that even if there is a, um, like I was thinking about Paul when he writes to the church at Rome and he, he says, I long to come to you for your benefit, but also for my benefit. 
I don't think we think of it that way with special needs people. We tend to think of it like, oh, I'm going to help you because I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's going to, you're going to benefit from me. Right. 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 Um, yeah. But that have the, have the character of Paul and acknowledging like Paul, the apostle with all of this knowledge and information to get, give to the Romans didn't have this attitude that, oh, well, I'm there to help you. He also had the perspective of, I have something to learn from you guys um, as well. And I think, I think sometimes we forget that with special needs folks. We, we, we forget that they have a lot to offer and us. It's, and it's funny how someone like Lib would, would uh, do that. Mm -hmm. like, uh, I forgot to tell you, one of her um, impacts of her uh, disability was she had no concept of money. Like, for example, if you told her, uh, and it would surprise you, you know, if, if you realize, if you told her, okay, that costs $23 uh, and you have $30, how much are you going to get back? Yeah. You know, she, no, no idea. No, no idea. Like what a thousand dollars could buy or a hundred dollars. Because she never had a job. Right. She didn't know what it meant to, to earn money, taxes. Yeah. I mean, none of that was, I mean, she never dealt with those things. And so, but she knew she got a disability check. <laughs> she knew she got it and uh, she had no idea how much it was. And she, she had no concept of that, but she would say, dad, I want you to give to a missionary uh, my check. You know, it was her way, it was her way to serve, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in her mind, she had no idea like right. how much, you know, what would this benefit, mm -hmm. uh, how much of the check, but she, she just say, dad, can I, she, she said, can I use my check to give to, mm -hmm. to some mission group, you know, or, or something. And so it's that kind of thing. And, and, and I think we can, uh, we can serve them by obviously meeting their needs, but also allowing them to serve us. Mm -hmm. That's Catherine's point. And yeah. then the other side to that question that I think um, is, is also important. You know, when we talk about if you have a special needs person in your church and you want to serve them, I think a lot of people just struggle. They, they feel awkward and they don't know well, what is it that I need to do? You know, what, what great thing, you know, do I have to do to, to serve them? And I think we kind of put it in this other subcategory of service where it's almost greater. Like I have to do something really big. And I would just caution against that thinking and that, and just encourage people by saying, part of, of demonstrating Christ-like love to somebody who's who's disabled is in this exact same way you would do it to somebody who is totally physically able. Mm -hmm. um, it's just being their friend. It's, you know, would you go, you, you think about like the end of a service, would you go up to somebody and shake their hand and ask how their week was? Well, why not do that for the special needs person? It's, I think we tend to think of serving people with special needs as something special, but it really is about simply being, being their friend, praying for them. And, and it doesn't have to be this big grandiose, you know, event. It can just simply be going and asking them how their week are laughing with them, you know, asking what their interests are. Um, one of our dearest friends, one of our family friends, her name's Ellen. 
And that's what she was. She just was a genuine friend. She just would send letters and call and send a card and, you know, but I think sometimes we, we put it in this, I don't know, how would you word it? Like, it's almost so, if people put it into this place of this is so difficult, they almost won't do it. Right. It's like, well, know what to say to that disabled person right I don't know I I feel awkward I don't know how to do it because it seems so big and what we fail to see is it really is just the simplicity of saying hi being a servant to them it doesn't have to be this great thing yeah those are good points thank you in your article Elizabeth my hero you write that one of her favorite accounts from the life of Christ was the conversion, the, I'm sorry, the conversation he had with Martha. Why was this passage from scripture special to her? Well, I think, it, you know, she, uh, in that conversation in John 11, uh, Jesus tells her that he's the resurrection and the life. And as the resurrection, he guarantees that if she dies, he will raise her body up and it must have been well not must have been it was well first off he says i'm the life he he who believes in me shall never die so and that was the kind of of, of childlike faith uh, libby had she knew because of her faith in christ that she had eternal life and as i said earlier her, her cp was just a temporary thing in the scheme of things but also th- this um uh, this 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 concept of uh, or this reality of a resurrected body. You know, I don't think it takes a lot for us to realize that it, how thrilling it is for all of us that we're going to get a glorified body. But there's a different level for somebody like Liv. Right. Yeah, I think. Um, gosh, I just think that in general, when you're talking about Libby and, and the faith that she had, like that childlike faith. Same idea with when Paul says that there is a crown for those who long for the Lord's appearing, you know, that that there are believers who who long for the Lord's coming in a deeper way. And it, it just when you're talking about somebody like Libby, that was something she longed for every single day. And that's not true for all of us. You know, that's not true for all believers as we get, you know sucked into jobs and and the busyness of life but for somebody like Libby whose body was a was a constant reminder that this is not the 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 state I'm going to be in forever she she longed for it in a in a much deeper sense and and that was um to her benefit you know we should all we you know we look at that and we look at somebody with disabilities and we think, oh, we pity them and we feel bad for them. But in reality, they they have something that you and I don't have, right, Dad and I don't have, in that she had a greater intimacy with the Lord and in, in longing for her new body. And, you know, Libby, well, not just with me, but with all the members of our family, we had many conversations with her. You know, she would... Yeah. She would ask things that I didn't know the answer to, like, uh, well, will certain people have certain abilities in, in the world to come that others don't? Like, like for example, 
the great hymn writer, Fanny Crosby. You mm-hmm. know, I would say, maybe I would say, you know, I said, I don't know this for sure, but uh, I would have to think that in the world to come, Fanny Crosby, who was blind all but six months of her 95 years, she's going to be able to see things that I'm not going to be able to see. Now, I don't know that for sure, <laughs> you know, but... You know, though, I re- there's a beautiful hymn by Fanny Crosby that talks about, I will know him by the, the, um, by the scar. The prints of the nails in his hand. His hand. And it's a beautiful hymn. And like Dad mentioned, for, I think everybody pretty much knows if you know about Fanny Crosby, she was blind. And um, what's so beautiful about that hymn is if you go back and you read it, she's talking about seeing, seeing Christ. And no matter okay, maybe that's true. Maybe she's going to see things nobody else could see, but you do, you know what she will have that most other believers won't is that the first thing she sees ever will be the Lord. And what a, what an incredible thought that is, you know, that, that for all eternity, the first things your eyes ever see is Christ himself. You know, you and I, we've seen so many things, but we can't say that. That's not a, that's not a blessing that we get to say. And so, you know, when you think about Libby, when I think about her, I just, I revel in the thought that the first person she walked with was Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, that she got to make, take her first steps with him. So I just think that that, that blessing, we don't think of it like that here now. We we look at somebody like her and we just, we pit, like I said, we pity people like that, but they are truly the blessing. You think of the Beatitudes, those who mourn will be comforted. And I think that that's part of it, that she's receiving a, a, a type of comfort that others won't because of her suffering. And I guarantee you she wouldn't trade that for a, for a healthy body in the 35 that she did live. And so she would ask things when we, we would talk like that. She would say, uh, Dad, do you think I'll be able to do things with my body in the world to come that you won't? I said, well, I don't know. But I said, if I had to bet, I would say yes. And so she, well, I said, you know, she would say things like, you think maybe I'll be able to fly and you won't? I said, well, <laughs> one of the things, you know, that was. <laughs> yeah of being able to fly she really did and i mean you know we don't know the scriptures don't say but i think that we can be confident that the lord is going to bless her in ways that those who don't don't suffer in the in the way that libby suffered that she, he's going to make it even out <laughs> he's going to make it right <laughs> you know and i told and and i will tell you uh i hope she can yeah i hope she and I can't. <laughs> and that'll be that'll I'll be, be okay more than that. okay with me. <laughs> yes. Well, you mentioned earlier that Elizabeth had a childlike faith. Let's take a couple of minutes and right now and discuss that. Jesus has freely promised everlasting life to all who simply believe in Him for it, apart from works before or after salvation. When we're willing to take Jesus at His word. To believe exactly what he says, how does that faith influence our present and our future? Yeah, I think 
in her life, it was it was there from the very beginning. Just mm-hmm. her acceptance of everything. I I can't remember if it's in the article or not, but uh, uh, she was young. She was, um, I guess, about ten. And uh, her mom uh, uh, homeschooled her most of the time. Uh, it just depends on the school situation, but. Uh, They'd have Bible studies and stuff, and uh, she, she, one day Libby said to my wife, she said, uh, Mom, I'm going to miss you. And <laughs> she, like, she was about 10 years old, and, uh, and uh, my wife said, well, where are you going to go? <laughs> he took her everywhere. I mean, she couldn't go to the bathroom. She couldn't do anything, you know, by herself. So, like, where she goes, goes, well. You're planning on leaving me? Yeah. Like, what's your plan? <laughs> and uh, Lynn said, uh, well, my body's not like your all's, like yours and dad's. And so I'm not going to live as long as you. Uh, uh, but... Uh, I'm going to go be with the Lord. And she goes, I'm really looking forward to it. She goes, but I wanted to tell you, I'm, I'm going to miss you. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and what 10 year old thinks like, that? yeah, what, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. How 10 year olds, you know, look like that, act like, you know, say things like that. And, and it wasn't, and that obviously she said it other times as well. And it wasn't a, how do you, how would you describe that? It wasn't a bragging or it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't even a sad thing. No, it, it was, was just, just like matter of fact. It was just like the sun is going to rise up in the East. Mm-hmm. It was like that. It's just like, yeah, uh, the Lord has given me this body and I'm not sad about it. I, it's just, it's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But I'm going to get a better one. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it was like, she was trying to comfort my wife. Just like, Hey, listen, when that happens, <laughs> right. Just matter. Yeah. Just know I'll miss you. <laughs> yeah. Just understand that I'm going to miss you, but I'm going to be glad to go. You mm-hmm. know? And, right. and, yeah. and that was everything about her life. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just child. It was just so matter of fact, just like a child, right? Like, yeah. of course that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Like a, like a kid, like when Catherine was little, she used to climb up on furniture and jump uh, at, and I wouldn't even know it because she knew I would catch her. <laughs> you, know, it would, you know, you would say, this is really stupid you know, because if I'm not looking, you could fall on the floor and break your arm, you know, but, <laughs> but it, it, it was like that with her. And it was, uh, you just, uh, you know, people will say, well, you're exaggerating. But I'm telling you, I, I don't ever remember a time, mm-hmm. a single time where it was like, that was not the case with her. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in her case, her, I, I think this is just me uh, trying to interpret what happened. I think what happens is one of the advantages of having such disabilities is you are dependent upon others. Uh, uh, she depended upon us to bathe her. She depended upon us to put her to bed. She depended upon us to wake her up. She, well, not to get her up. We. She depended upon us to feed her. She depended upon us for, to take her wherever she needed to go. 
And so when it comes to depending upon the Lord and what he says, she just did it. It was just what it was. Right. You know, it wasn't. She didn't know any other way. Yeah. And her disabilities gave her that advantage, gave her that advantage mm -hmm. over other people. And that's why you have a 10 year old who's talking like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. it's a, and so uh, at least that's my uh, explanation of how she was the way she was. And that's what made her my hero. You know. Well, Ken and Catherine, this has been such a delightful conversation. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. What a joy it's been to meet you and learn more about the wonderful work of Christ in Elizabeth. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I think it's real important to say that, uh, like talking about her body, uh, Lib's going to be great in the kingdom of God. Mm. I mean, there's a there's a uh, a difference between being in the kingdom of God and being great. Uh, she's going to be so great. And I also just I I'll add, you know, it. I think maybe listening to us talk about it, talk about her, it, it does almost sound like. Um she was perfect you know that she was sinless and I, she wasn't she she was a sinner like the rest of us she had problems but um and and did things you know that were not good too and she would have been the first to tell you that um sometimes when somebody passes away it does it is easy to think well they're they never did anything wrong and she, that's not true and libby would be the first person to tell you that but um, I think that what what we've learned through through her is that she had so many um, incredible. We we saw the fruit of the spirit in her mm. in ways that I, I think in retrospect we we can look at them and and see them in ways that we couldn't in, at the time, you know. And so that's that's been. I think in the last, because we're almost to two years that she's been gone. Mm. And it's like today, even this week, I keep learning from her. And um, I just think that that's also the fruit that we're going to keep seeing for all eternity in her life. Yes. And so to see that, that, what Christ did to her transcends her death, that we are still learning from her, that we're still learning about him through her. Mm. And I think what she would have wanted, she would have wanted us to grow and be more dependent upon the Lord as, as she was. So um, I just hope that those that are listening to this, um, that they understand just a just get a little bit of perspective on suffering and that um, the Lord loves them, even if they're going through really hard, hard times, whether that is physically or even like us right now, as we've lost Libby, we've, we're, we've been really, you know, it's a hard thing to do is to lose, lose family. And so whatever form of suffering that you may be going through, whether it is physical or something else, just know that the Lord 
loves you and is using that suffering to mature you as well and to make upon him and I hope that that's what you learn uh, in the life of Libby because I think that's what she would have wanted people to to learn absolutely thank you both from the bottom of our hearts for sharing Elizabeth's very precious story what a great encouragement for all of us today that what Jesus did for Elizabeth he can do for us you mentioned in your article that you're working on turning her story into a book we're eager to see the book come out and confident that God will graciously continue to use her remarkable testimony of faith to inspire others. Thank you for having us, you guys. It was it was a pleasure to get to talk to you all. Dear listener, we trust your hearts have been just as challenged as ours have been. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Grace Evangelical Society, donate to the missions for Ken and Catherine, or subscribe to their free magazine, Grace and Focus, you can find the links in our show notes at bvhtministries.org. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.